if you have not been in church in a while, I want to make clear, um, you're probably going to be like, oh, of course this is what the message is on. Uh, we're walking through a series on uh, called Hazards and talking about putting up guardrails, making sure our alarms are working so that when we, you know, our spidey sense that we come in the area of danger, we are careful to move back. Um, a couple weeks ago, some of you know, John and I and, and two other interns went down to Louisville, Louisville, am I saying that right? Louisville, uh, Kentucky. And uh, on the way down, because we were renting, I, I rented a van, but our, uh, the, the, the rental place was open, was closed from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. And we, our plane was arriving at 12.20, 12.30. So I quickly booked us a hotel that we'd sleep in for five hours and then get back there in Nashville, grab the van, and drive up to Louisville, about a uh, three-hour drive. Um, so so, so the, the place that I booked, um, it was a day's in. And it, you know, I've seen it days in before. Days in should not be too bad. Our, uh, our hotel was a little sketchy. I, I have a picture, which is not, that's not actually our hotel, but I wanted something. That might even be nice. Compared, I really, you would not believe the hotel we were in. So I text uh, my wife, I text Elaine, I say, you, you would not believe. She's like, well, what, what is it? And it's days in, Nashville Airport. So she looks up, and for about a half an hour, she's sending me copy and paste of uh, reviews that people have done at the hotel that we're in. And there's nothing beyond the one star. And there's only one star on Yelp and Travel, uh, travel Advisor because you have to pick a star. There's no negative. And you can't leave uh, a review unless you pick a star. And everyone starts by, couldn't pick a negative, so I had to pick this. That's how they all start. And she's sending them over and over. And there's four of us in this room going, this is where we're staying? This is horrible. There's one person that left something, if you, if you read my Facebook post, they were, they were leaving, they were already, it was already sketchy and scary, they were leaving, and they, they were looking between the mattresses as they were getting around, and they saw like this thin thing of, of silver, and they thought, oh, well, someone's left a master car there, so they went to ground, they pulled out a butcher's knife. <laughs> like, this is where we're staying. That is the issue <laughs> at hand when we fail to heed what God has told us, when we don't listen to God's commands and certain things. We live in a culture historically where we've been told when anyone gives you a rule, it's oppressive. They rarely say, hey, as, as the psalmist do, as King David does, thank you so much, God. Thank you for your law. Thank you for your rules because they bring me safety. Well, today what I was going to say before um, is that if you've been in church for a while, you're going to think this is like, great, I came on the day where they're talking about sex. Right on. Thank you so much. This <laughs> I have been preaching here, I've been here for four and a half years. Uh, this will be the first message that I've preached in this area of sexuality. So, if you're here for the first time visiting, this is not something that we're hearing all the time. No pastor likes preaching on sex, because, and just so you know, if you're concerned, some you know, this, is, this is a GPG, so don't worry, it's not, we're not getting into details. Um, but, often, Christians will be accused of being anti-sex. Anti-sex. Every time Christians think about sex, they think about something horrible, it's disgusting. And maybe some of you grew up in homes like that, where you were made to feel like that. No religion or worldview thinks more highly of sexuality than Christianity does. 
It's important to know. No other worldview cares more for human flourishing through sexuality. It just so happens that God attaches great value to the person inside the body involved in sexual activity and wants their value attached to them still when the act of sex takes place. That is important to realize. The world seeks to divide the, the person from the act, the body from the soul, and Christianity is not willing to do that. We think too highly of the person. God thinks too highly of the person. That is why Paul says these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. If you have that, I'm going to invite you to stand. And out of respect for God's words, you can look at it behind me, out of respect for God's words, uh, we will stand. And Paul says this, speaking to a church, that if you think we're in bad shape in our culture when it comes to sexuality, they were far worse. Okay? It says this, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his or her own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and are, are not, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. God of grace, I pray you would speak to us today on a touchy issue, on an issue we are told we are old-fashioned in, and that you would speak to us about the life and the hope that you desire to give us in all arenas of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Um, if you're a pastor, you don't like preaching on sexuality because you, you come off sounding like an Old Testament prophet in your flip-flops, standing on the corner and yelling at people, and you know nobody's going to listen. Okay, so that's, that's kind of where a pastor feels like he's coming, people are going to roll their eyes and go, oh my goodness, this is getting sweaty and uncomfortable, let's just get out of here. So why is this important? I can tell you from personal experiences of sitting with people, things in my own heart and mind. You can recover from professional disaster. You can recover from being bankrupt. You can recover from being fired. You can get kicked off the team. But you can recover. You can get another job. You can join another team. When it comes to sexuality, it never just becomes a story you tell. It becomes something that people are in my office not laughing about. Where they blew past the guardrails, and, and now family's in trouble, personally they're in trouble. It, it, for some it becomes an addiction when it comes to pornography, and there is an inability to escape. So it's not a joke. That's why Paul says, flee from this. And if you're here sitting and saying, oh, not me. Pure, baby. Pure. No problems. I'm good in my marriage. I'm good in my thought life. I'm not hanging out with people of the opposite sex. When, I, I'm, when I'm at work, I'm following the biblical standard. Or I'm not following the biblical standard. And I feel totally fine. You don't need to tell me. I would, I would suggest that you're probably kind of in the position of someone on Survivor who says, I'm on top of my game. I've never been more in control of my game. And what always happens at the end of that episode, they're voted off. They call it a blind side. Right? I don't think that word has become more and that's ever been used as much as it's used in, in, in blindside. In Survivor, where someone thinks they're in control of the game, they got all the pieces in place, no one can touch me, and they're knocked off. It's my hope and it's my desire that by the end of today's message, you would see the importance of guardrails, alarms in place, batteries that are working in your alarms, that those would be in place so that you do not get blindsided in this area. Do what you need. Be willing to say for the sake of your family, for your future, for your faith, that you will put guardrails up in this area. Paul does not beat around the bush in this area. 
Flee. No need to read between the lines. It's very, you know what that means in English? The, the Greek there? It means run. It means flee. There's no, you don't need to translate. What is it? There. No, just get out. Do not, do not hang out with it. Protect yourself. The reason God places guardrails around sexuality is because God desires to protect us. God desires to honor our, our whole person. And God desires to liberate us. First, God desires to protect us. It could be, it could be that the current sexual ethic is not as harmless as society is trying to make us believe. Paul is very strong here. He says, run. Don't move in closer. Just run. Don't get a little closer to check it out. Don't flirt with it. Don't see how close you can get without hurting yourself or someone else. Flee from it. There was a story in the Los Angeles Times back in 1991. Uh, this took place in Manchester, New Hampshire, actually. Uh, this is what it says. There's a model escaped. Uh, I've got a shot of a lion there. Beautiful creature. From a distance. I'm assuming that person didn't take that picture as close as it looked. I'm going to assume there was a uh, telescopic, telescopic lens taken from a, from a distance. This story, which is a model escaped serious injury when a lion she was posing with clamped its jaws on her head, an official said. One of the animal's trainers jammed his arm into the lion's mouth to stop it, witness said. This is my favorite. It wasn't an attack, it was a bite. Said David, David Dino, the, the animal control officer. You think the model cares? Oh, it wasn't an attack, it was just a bite when he clamped on my head. Shannon Audley, 23, suffered cuts to her head and back. She was listed in good condition Thursday at Catholic Medical Center. Audley was posing for a print advertisement with the six year old male lion Wednesday at a modeling agency. Why? She had been posing with the animal for about an hour when it clamped its jaws on the side of her head, witnesses said. I've worked with this lion many times and never had a problem, said the photographer. The lion was taken back to, to Tennessee where it is kept, police said. Every time you hear a story like that, you hear the same stuff. I don't know what happened. I've known this cub. I mean, I, I, I used to hold this cub in my arms. I used to, to feed it. I'm not sure what happened. I'll tell you what happened. It's a freaking lion. That's what happened. They're made to rip flesh off other animals. That's what happen. And Paul says, you can nurture it. You can say, oh, I'm in control of this. You can call it cute. You can call it harmless. You can be under the illusion that you're in control. You can call it an attack, a bite, if you'd like. But its purpose, sin, when it's, when even sexuality, when it's taken out of its proper covenant agreement, Paul would say, and Scripture would say, it will turn on you. Sexual immorality is not a cub. It's a lion. And it's waiting for its opportunity. Now here's the thing with, the, with the, the Me Too movement. Which is a very important movement. At its core, it's a very important movement. Women have been victimized too long in, in private rooms and in, in back rooms. And on, on director's couches, casting couches. Been victimized. And I think instilling fear in would-be predators is a fantastic idea. I think that's very good. But it points to a strange phenomenon. Because our culture... for 50, 60 years has been pointing to traditional views on sexuality saying you're repressive. Don't try to put burden on us. Don't try to put boundaries on us. What we really need is complete freedom in this area. Freud was right. We're just animals that just need to be satisfied. We're just matter. We're just flesh. So satisfy our sexual desires. 
and that will give us freedom, and that will give us happiness. Now we have Henry Weinstein's, now we have Kevin Spacey's, and a myriad of others, and people are saying, everyone's agreeing, they've crossed the line. But no one's willing to draw a line. We erased them a long time ago, and now we get upset, but nobody's willing to say this is where the line should be. So then when something like this happens, we go, well, it's wrong, but somewhere back here, it was still right. But here it's become wrong, and we've got nothing to stand on as we toss away any sort of standard and, and leave it up to our own authority. Today, you and I live in a time where you can get an app on your phone. So when you're about to have a sexual encounter, you can sit down with that other person and you can say, can we just go through um, what's okay, what you consent to before we have a sexual encounter? And you check off the boxes, and then, okay, I'm just going to email this to you um, so that you know, you're not going to tweet about me later, and I'm not going to get in trouble. So I'm going to send this to you. This is a legal document. Now, isn't that romantic? Isn't that nice? Hey, we can make it really easy to know where there's consent. And it's much safer than an app. It's called the covenant of marriage. That's a pretty strong line. That's why the ring is in a circle and it's continuum. The eternality of the covenant of marriage. Sexuality that's accompanied with emotional commitment and a, and a desire for the flourishing, flourishing of the entire individual. Not just an object for your Freudian machine to get momentary pleasure. Paul makes it easy. Stay clear of that line. <laughs> you see sexual immorality, you, you run the other way. You don't look down to, to, to see how close you are to the line. If you sense it, your spidey sense is on, you run in the other direction. Like an earthquake, a fire, a flood. Get out of there. There's danger. Flee. Flee romantic exchange with someone who is not your spouse. Flee the computer with the, the image of, of someone's daughter who is made in the image of God. Flee. Run from it. It's poison on your soul. Get out of there. And our culture will laugh. Our culture will say you're repressed. You're pushed down. You, you are not free. And you will save yourself a lot of trouble. And you will save yourself and your family and your heart and your soul and your mind a lot of pain. That's why it's so important to Paul. God calls us to a different sexual ethic because he desires to protect us. Because sexual immorality is, is more dangerous than we're told. Secondly, God desires to honor us. God desires to honor us. Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own or her own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. The biblical narrative is that there is something more to you than just your bodies. That, that, that your personhood is not divided from your body. It is part of it. One is we're, we're spiritual beings. We are spi Whether you're a Christian or not, it, we are spiritual beings. If you're a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, your body is, is sacred. You've been made in the image of God. But as Christ followers, we're told that the Spirit of God lives in us. I went into that last week about our, our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit. So our, our bodies are set aside, if you call yourself a Christ follower, for, for the purposes of God. So Paul's application is simple here. If it's dishonoring to God, don't do it with your body. If it's dishonoring to God, don't do it with your body. 
Don't take your body there. Don't go in that direction. Dishonoring God. Don't, don't look at it. And the pattern is always the same, isn't it? Especially for those of us who are, who are really trying to do battle. The lure. Satan loves the same lure. He's been using the one, same one for thousands of years. He says, did God, did God really tell you not to do that? God, God wouldn't take something so, so nice away from you, something that feels so good. Would God really say, don't take, just get a little closer. Doesn't this feel good? Just, just, just one bite. Just one bite and everything will be fine. And he's, he's anxious and waiting on the other side because he immediately wants to feel shame and guilt on you after that. That's how he works. But you know how liberating this is, he says? Paul says, flee. Don't play with it. You know how we see those guys as like a, they'll be hilarious, well, these, these reality TV shows where they're like crocodile wrestler or rattlesnake catcher. Where, that's what it's like. We're all looking at them going, what are you, an idiot? And yet many of us will do that with our time on the computer, what we watch, the interactions we have with people who are not our spouse. Paul says, flee. We're more than our bodies. We are spiritual beings. So honor God with your bodies. We're also emotional beings. This is the one that people miss. The belief that we can divide ourselves up into the physical and the emotional and that one does not need to have an effect on the other simply is not true. It simply is not true. When Paul says that sexual sin sins against the body, he may be onto something, may be onto more than we think. And, and science, is, science is getting there now. Science is proving this now. There's a great book called Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. And in it, she basically talks about the idea that we, the world is trying to divide us up into just the physical and, and the, the emotional, the spiritual, the psychological, that those two things are not connected. This is what, that's why Christians will have a diametrically different view on abortion, diametrically different view on the need for family, diametrically different view than sexuality, because we look at the whole person as connected to our bodies and what our bodies get involved in. She says this, talking about sex, sexual intercourse. She says, a chemical is released when a mother nurses her baby, and it stimulates an instinct for caring and nurturing. So that, and this is why new moms, you're, you're, you're told, if you can, breastfeed, because there's a connection that is gained there. It's called the attachment hormone. Imagine the surprise when scientists discover that oxytocin is also released during sexual intercourse, especially, but not exclusively, in women. Consequently, the desire to attach to the other person when we have sex is not only an emotion, but also part of our chemistry. They're not teaching this in the sex ed classes these days. Oxytocin has been shown to create a sense of trust. As one sex therapist puts it, when we have intercourse, we create an in, but whether you want it or not, an involuntary chemical commitment. Think about that. Well, well we are being told that, that multiple sex encounters are freeing and liberating. There is a, a low-level connecting and bonding going on that we are told to deny. She goes on throughout this book to talk about people, uh, young women in colleges and stuff, saying, no, it, it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting, but we're being told that it shouldn't. So we're denying that, even though we're being kind of torn apart on a lower level. She goes on to say, 
In essence, then, that contradiction provides an opening to make the case that the secular view is flawed. It does not fit reality. Young people are trying to live out a worldview that does not match their true nature, their physical nature, and it's tearing them apart with its pain and its heartache. That's why Timothy Keller can say this, sex is God's appointed way for two people to, to say, reciprocal, oh man, I knew it was good. No, it's not reciprocity, reciprocally. Thank you. People to say, reciprocally, it's hard to one another. I belong completely, permanently, and exclusively to you. When we have sex outside of marriage, we are essentially lying to our bodies. Our actions are saying that we are united on, on all levels, when in reality we are not. We are contradicting ourselves. We are putting on an act. We are being dishonest. Christianity does not have a low view of sexuality. It has a very high view of the person. That's what the world seems to miss. If you care about your own body, your own spiritual well-being, Paul says, flee. Flee that kind of sexuality. We are more complex than we think. So God's desire when it comes to sexuality is that we would be protected. We'd be honored as a full person in all of our complexity. And lastly, God desires to liberate us. The Christian ethic on sexuality aims to liberate us. Sexuality in any form it takes outside of the covenant it was created for, the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman will ultimately bring less freedom than you are told and than you think. It has to. It has to because there's more to you than they are teaching you. There is more to you than you think, so it can't deliver as advertised. G.K. Chesterton said this. Well, everyone says that G.K. Chesterton said this. I looked this up, and apparently he never said it anywhere, so I'm going to put my name on it, and from now on, um, I'll be the guy who said this. I wouldn't even say I was there. Um, Every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is really looking for God. And I've quoted that before. See, but we've been so baited by media and, and reduced by our culture to sexual creatures, we should, really we should be insulted. When we watch Netflix, when we watch commercials that use sexuality to lure us in, we should be insulted that they would think that's all we are. The only way that the story of sexual freedom that we are offered is true is if you and I are simple machines of flesh and bone who are our own authority and whose only need in life is physical gratification. But it has been proven over and over again that not only is that not true, it's proven harmful. Harmful to ourselves, harmful to families, harmful to societies, fatherless homes, motherless homes, brokenness from, from families torn apart by adultery, boys addicted to pornography who have no clue how to even speak to a woman, because all they've learned about encounters with the opposite sex has been viewed on their phone in their bedroom? Why? Because those protective rails, those, those instructions, those warnings put in place by God, the giver of good gifts who desires to see us protected and honored and liberated, were all placed aside for other options. So now sex is accompanied with a consent app. Pornography, encouraged and, and thought of as simply a harmless pastime, entraps 
teenagers, promotes sex trafficking, now a sex culture promoting the freedom of, of sleeping around without guilt gets that accompanying feeling of, am I going to ever see this person again? Or, I hope I never see this person again, because that would be embarrassing for me and my family. I'm not sure that was the freedom we were looking for. But that's what an ethic that reduces us to pleasure machines will do. It reduces you to matter. Therefore, it doesn't matter. And Paul says, and the gospel says, no, 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 no. There is so much more to you. There is so much more to you. Verse 20, he says, you were bought with a price. This is the value of who you are. This is the level of your personhood. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. The value of your body is, is in the high cost paid for it, in your redemption and salvation. The high price paid in order to invite you into the family of God. Do not dismiss the importance of your body. If you're a crit critic of the Christian view, that's fine, but you cannot say that it is devaluing to you as a person. It is a, it's out of an explosive love and a concern for your body that we, that we as Christians should be clinging so strongly to this ethic. Our worth, your worth, your identity could never be reduced to your sexuality, to your orientation, or even to your sin. How could we ever be reduced in light of the cross, to simply that. When, when our bodies were redeemed by the giving over of His body to suffering and death. Not just for the redeeming of your souls, for the redeeming of your bodies. To purchase your body. He has already defeated sin and death in His body for us. To redeem our bodies for Him. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, verses 1-2, to 2, I appeal to you, therefore, in light of the gospel... In light of all that Christ has done, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to the world. They're going to have all sorts of good arguments. They're going to have all sorts of great advertising. It looks like that's where it's at. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The way we renew our minds is to stop looking down and look up. To stop looking at everything we're being given and to raise our heads above and look up. Like taking a nice deep breath when you've been holding your breath underwater and come up out of all and go and breathe something in to give you some life. You ever feel like with, with all, the, all the, the, the baiting, the sexual baiting in malls and music and movies that we just need a breath of fresh air? Suffocating from our sexual culture? To take in the glory of God, the love of God for our entire self. John Piper, a preacher and pastor, he says this. This is great. It says, do you know why there are no windows on adult bookstores? Or do you know why there are no windows on certain kinds of nightclubs in the city? I suppose your answer would be, well, because they don't want people looking in and getting a free sight. That's not the only reason. And you know why? Because they don't want people looking out at the sky. You know why? Because the sky is the enemy of lust. And I just ask you, think back on your struggles. The sky is the great power against lust. 
pure, lovely, wholesome, beautiful, powerful, large-hearted things cannot abide the soul of a sexual fantasy at the same time. If you want to look at something that is pure and lovely and wholesome and beautiful and powerful and large-hearted, look to Christ, look to the cross, who redeems you from top to bottom, who tells you your worth has already been given to you, doesn't need to be gained. If you want to protect yourself from sexual immorality and, and all the stuff that comes with it, and the natural, and maybe, maybe you don't want to. So this is for you who do. This is for you who want to save yourself some of those pains and those moments of embarrassment and confession and remorse. But if you want to protect yourself from sexual sin and sexual immorality and the natural effects of sexuality outside of the covenantal purposes, Paul says, flee. I mean, there are guardrails we can put up. There are obvious guardrails we can put up in our lives. And I preached a few weeks ago, Paul saying, know the will of God. What he's saying is, do the will of God. Because most of us, if we find ourselves approaching a guardrail, we know that. We'll just try to numb ourselves and find all sorts of excuses. Would God really deny me this? When this like this at home, don't I deserve this? Loves him. So there's things we can do. If we're married, don't have private meetings with people of the opposite sex. That's so far. Hey, no one's going to come into my office and go, man, I messed up this week. There was a, I had a possibility to go down a horrible road, and I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. No one's ever con had to come and confess that. But they've bashed through that rail before, and they've had to confess that with heads low. So yeah, is it extreme? Yeah, it's extreme. Who, who cares? The Bible calls us in the King James Version a peculiar people. Let's not just be peculiar because we're a bunch of weirdos. Let's be peculiar because we put up guardrails in our lives to protect ourselves. If you're single and you're serious about honoring God with your body, make sure you steer clear of environments that make secrecy easy. It's simple. Steer clear of it. If you're being drawn to pornography over and over, remove the tools of the enemy. Remove the computers. Have accountability. Do not use your computer anywhere where there are not other people. But that means I can't use it after 9 p.m. Who cares? Nobody was doing that 50 years ago. They are all here. We survived as a race. You can do that. So there's things we can put in place. But ultimately, ultimately, it is a greater view of Christ and a deeper understanding of who you are because of Him that will help steer you clear of continued pursuits of these things, of complete surrender to them. In Matthew 5, Jesus talking about lust and, and sexual sin, he makes it, he, he's just as, as forward as Paul. If your eye causes you to sin, pop it out. If your limbs cause you to sin, log them off. Now, if we took Jesus literally, this would be a church of pirates, right? And the singing, the worship would be horrible. It would be horrible, okay? So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, if, ultimately, he's saying, love God enough, love God enough. Love, love what God, understand what God wants to do for you and have such a desire to, to pursue Jesus, love God enough to meticulously and surgically remove those things that would take you from Him. And nowhere in our lives is it more important than this area. Because you'll think you're in control. And it'll take one email, it'll take one glance. 
and say, well, Suji, just take a bite. Everything will be fine. Because even those actions that Christ calls us to, the, the, the main goal is a greater view of Him. More fulfillment in Him. That we see the, the incompleteness of the cultural ethic in, in, this, in this area as well as many others. Closing down here, guys. Hebrews 12, 1-3 says, Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, in light of the gospel, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. And in this clinging on to us, every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So what is drawing your eye off your resurrected Savior? What is, is keeping you from the goal of running after Him? What's keeping you from more of Him? What needs to be laid aside? What is clinging so tightly that you cannot walk towards Christ? Have you huddled up close to the lion? Then He'll never turn. I'm in control. Convincing yourself. It is my prayer, it is my hope that you will take the, the, the words of Paul seriously to, to flee, to move back from the guardrail so that a blind side is not possible. Because the gospel is not just the cross, is not just about eternal flourishing of your soul, it is after the eternal flourishing of your entire self, your body, your soul. All of you, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and it is God's desire in this area as well as in every other, to protect us, to honor us, and to liberate us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, this may be a difficult one because it, it seems that this is Satan's favorite lure. And we're going to leave this place and within 10, 15 minutes, we're going to see the bait dangling again. So Jesus, it's my prayer, even as we finish the service today, that as we worship you, our eyes will be open to your greatness. Our eyes will be open to your beauty. Our eyes will be open to where we find our true worth in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And most of us in this room could probably say that we have pain attached in this area, whether from the area of, 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 of trusting someone and being hurt, or from the area of bursting through the guardrails on this and just following the secular ethic, and now we find ourselves, we've hurt ourselves, we've hurt those around us. Maybe some of us have allowed our hearts to lead our bodies where they should not have gone. So Father, wherever we find ourselves this morning, remind us of the never-ending flow of mercy, your deep pockets of grace and forgiveness, and we invite you into however we find ourselves this morning. For some of us, we need to flee, we need to run back from the rails. Some of us need to ask your forgiveness and the forgiveness of others and start repairing and building health. 
God, this is not an area to be played with. This is why, you, although you gave us this beautiful gift of sexuality, you gave us important rules to keep us safe. It's not a line to be trusted. To get complacent or to think that we are untouchable. So Jesus, we pray that you would lift our eyes to you. That we would take in the power of the proclamation of the cross that invites us to a salvation and a future of complete acceptance and healing. And we, we come to you as broken people. We come to you with so many ways we would, we would rather this story go. So many, uh, we wish we had maybe more um, what we would call liberty and freedom. But out of love for us, out of concern for our well-being, you have placed these guardrails in place. So maybe look to your love and your grace in these areas and trust you in them. And for some of us, this may mean that we need to confide in others. We need to have people ask us some serious questions. We need to cut some things out of our lives. We need to cut relationships off wounds. For the sake of our protection, for the sake of the honor of our whole self, and for the sake of true freedom. So we offer our whole selves over to you this morning. Spirit, do some work in us, we pray. Pray that we would trust you in this area.